into Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Unglesby with Mateo here in Las Vegas as we reached the midway point of the month of September. The weather's getting better out here. Uh, starting to look forward to the fall and then the winter. And really what that means, and I'm leading into, is it's football season. And, of course, joining me, as always, my partner in crime, now back home, had a, had a nice week here in Vegas with us. That was a great time, but he's back home, and he's still doing what he does. Tom, and I hate to open the show like it's an infomercial, but I'm just speaking the truth here, and I think it needs to be said. Tom Barton Sports, 2-1 and one again today, coming off of a undefeated weekend last week in Vegas, and now you're 2-1 and one today, another positive day, heading into tomorrow's NFL action. I had not only 2-1, and one, but I hit my big level uh, three play, right? So actually more money, and that, that, that's – Everything that TomBartonSports.com is about. And it's funny because you, you know, Tim, that we've been doing this for 12 years. You know that TomBartonSports.com is monitored on different stations, on different uh, platforms, right? Campus monitor, monitor, uh, camper tag, things like that, right? Um, you know TomBartonSports.com has been giving out winners on this station. You know that I do it on the national station. But you still know that people go, oh, come on. Are you really giving out winners? So on my Believe Podcast Network, I've been giving out free winners a week, right? I have not missed yet here, Tim. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going out there trying to show people, guys. Listen, I'm a professional better. That's what I do. I go out. I came out to Vegas last week. You know what I mean? I make money for the family. I, that's what I do for a living. Just trying to give you guys a way to make some extra money at TomBartonSports.com. And it gets lost in the shuffle with so many people burned by so many of these uh, you know, touts out there and so many of these these fake guys. Oh, come on, you can't win. All right, listen, you don't have to sign up. But if you do, you would be crushing it right now at the, the clip of 70% in college football and 100% in the NFL. I think it's funny, though, really, like you said, you literally give out free winners, not only on this show, you gave out a winner last week at our live remote. If, if anybody was paying attention, they would have they would have turned a positive number there. I think... Like you said, there's other shows you go on across the country where you're giving out free winners. But the biggest thing about getting burned in the industry, and we know the story, right? They've made movies about it. Uh, you could talk to everybody and their brother that was burned by a supposed sports handicapper. Is that where are these supposed true professionals that speak up when they don't do well? You know, I send you clips every week of certain handicappers that lose consistently, and we just laugh about it. But when you're wrong, you say, hey, look, I was on the wrong side of it today. But look at my consistency over the last decade. You said it monitored. And really, I think it's more about if they just take a chance with Tom Barton Sports, at the end of that 30, 60 days, whatever it's going to be that you sign up for, it's it's proof positive that you're going to come out up money. There's no way around it if you follow the system. Right, Tom? Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's, it's kind of laughable. You know, I mean, it really is. It's laughable in the, the aspect of, I have eliminated every complaint that anybody could have possibly had about the business. Ah, you know, I don't like phone calls. Uh, tell me what to bet. All right, cool. Bet whatever you want. I don't care. Oh, I don't like commissioner. Uh, all right. I, I don't even talk to you. 
<laughs> you know, here are the place. I don't want to wait for my email play. All right, cool. We can email it to you. You can go right to the website whenever you feel <laughs> the need. Well, you know, I don't want to play too many games a day. Yeah, we only have about two or three plays uh, on a football Sunday tomorrow. We got three plays. Uh, we had four last week. We had three plays today. On a regular day, we have one. Yeah, but I want to play something every day. Eh, we try to put up about a play a day. I mean, I've tried to eliminate every single thing at TomBartonSports.com, Tim, and it's still uh, you still have the people that just want to go out there and bang their head against the wall, or they get sold by some really much better than me salesman telling them I can make you a millionaire overnight by betting you know $100 a game this weekend. Uh, yeah, that's not reality. <laughs> you know, pull off of that. And just go out there and, and make some money. And that's it. Just go positive. That's the thing, too. They're, they're getting sold by a salesman who has nothing to do with the selections coming out of that quote-unquote firm, whereas you do all the work. I think you said it best. I heard this actually. I was listening to you on another show one time, and this is the exact answer you gave. And I, I've always, it's always stuck in my mind because it's the truth. It's um, a lot of people in the world, especially in the United States, have such big egos that they could can't ref, they can't acknowledge the fact that maybe somebody knows something more about something than they do, and it's not about ego when it comes down to this. It's about making money. You do this for a living. This is literally what you do. You don't work a nine to five, then try to crash, uh, crunch numbers all night to give out picks. You do this all day every day. It's okay to admit that Tom Barton knows more about sports handicapping than me because at the end of the day, we're going to make money. It doesn't matter. So if that's what you do and I'm riding that tail, just let it be. You don't have to be an egotistical maniac about Tommy knowing something more than you because it doesn't work yeah. out that way. Tim, I tell people all the time, take my service. Don't tell anyone. Go to your friends. Brag it up and say that you, <laughs> you had Virginia Old Dominion under today. Right, because that was one of my plays. Virginia on a huge college football slate of games today. Right, massive slate of games, huge big time matchups, top twenty five teams. You know, Virginia Tech, <laughs> Wolford under, Virginia Old Dominion under. Uh, these are the plays that I was on because you know I could follow those teams. I could find those areas. I was talking to our buddy Rob Mish, and I was kind of trying to explain to him. I said, you know, it is kind of funny to me how so many people have their style of handicapping. And you hear other handicappers, you hear other sports bettors going, ah, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I go, listen, I will listen to anyone's quote-unquote system, anyone's way of doing it, if they're making money. I really don't care. Me and you know, I, I used to know a professional WNBA better. Literally, that's all they bet. Professional NBA, WNBA. That's it. That's all they I don't know anything about it. But if the guy's turning a profit constantly – why am I going to look away? You, yeah. you know, okay, sure. There are times, Tim, where you'll give out your Timmy teaser, which is red hot, by the way, over the last two years. You give me out the Timmy teaser, and I'm going, Tim's nuts. This is crazy. This doesn't make any sense. But I'll tell you, because you saw something that I didn't see. You know, um, we're in a business, and we're in a, an, an industry here where so many people have brainwashed the public into believing they can get rich quick. And this is not a get rich quick. Grind it away. You know what? Take a couple of bucks here and there. Take a couple of different opinions. Listen to different people in different situations. You might just find that guy that is on fire. You might find that guy that is consistently good. You, you might find that guy. Now, the problem is make sure that you sit back and you listen to everybody and you, you don't get sold as a much to just going, okay, show me a record. Show me what you can do. I had a guy last week when I was in Vegas tell me, 
I would never, ever, ever sign up for a service. I need someone to prove something to. And I was standing at the bar, and I told you about this. I was standing at the bar, at the bar right next to the sports book, and I said to him, I said, okay, listen, buddy. I said, I'm giving you Toledo. They're minus 28. They're going to win that game going away. It'll be, it won't even be a problem. I said, so that's your free play. I said, I don't expect you to sign up. It's not a problem. I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with it if you don't. But I want you to be a winner. I want you to understand not everybody in this world is like that. Tim, you know, he texted me yesterday. Um, he write, writes me yesterday, and he says, you know, ah, I didn't get any of your NFL, so I don't know how good you are in the NFL. Can I have a free NFL play? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, right? Isn't this the business? I, I walked away. I said, "Here you go. Here's your play." He hit it, or he didn't, but he saw you know saw my big play of the day. I'm just trying to help a guy out, trying you know that's getting a beer at the bar that wanted a winner, asking me my opinion. Yet he comes back to me and needs something else uh, for free. We are in a weird business where the sports books are pitting us against each other, as opposed to all of us gaining, guarding together, working together. I don't care if other sports handicappers win. I don't care if everybody in the book wins with me. As a matter of fact, I want that to happen. All I care is that I'm turning a profit and then whoever wants to follow me, follow me. So, Tommy, and just to end the infomercial part of this show, joking, yeah, of course. Yeah, seriously, right? Um, this is the most infomercial that we've been in. Like, <laughs> Well, I think, I think a lot of times, and granted, this is a sports show, regardless of what some idiots like to say, well, that's just a betting show. It's never been a betting show. It never has been a betting show. Um, but thanks for listening. So when we talk about Tom Barton Sports, if anybody's on the edge and they want to jump in tomorrow, get that card that's going to – I believe it goes up here real soon, as usually by midnight before the day before the games. But if they want to get in, Heat Wave Sports listeners, what, can, can they get a little extra from Tom Barton just for mentioning the show? Yeah, you guys want, you know what? If you mention the show tonight, I'll give you until um, November 1st, right? How's that, Tim? Nice round yeah. figure. I'll give you until November 1st. So that's like, whatever, 42 days, uh, you know, for, for the same price. And again, we don't upgrade. There's no packages. There's no commission. There's no phone calls. There's not, not, it, it is just, just what it is. Cancel anytime you want. You don't like my plays. Just take tomorrow's plays. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, do whatever you want with them. Like I said, there's going to be three plays up for tomorrow. Um, and then... I might have a, a an added on baseball play in the morning. I'm waiting for the lineup to come out. TomBartonSports.com. You heard him say it. If you mention the show when you're uh, cashing or checking out, mention the show. I'll give you till November 1st for one low, low price. So check out TomBartonSports.com. Yes, later in the show, we will be giving out our free plays as well. Uh, special shout out, Jose V. Tom, checking in and listening into the show tonight. Straight bet sports over on Gorilla Cross Radio. Make sure you check no, out his show as well. At the live event, Tim. I was hoping that Jose was going to come down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened there. We'll have to ask Jose when we see him what happened there. So, so we have loaded show as always. It's football season. We're going to talk week two NFL. We're going to get you ready for it. Anything just to start it before we get in the NFL because you know Tommy. Once we get into it, there's no stopping. So, is there anything in the college landscape you'd like to talk about now that we're about three weeks into the season? Yeah, I mean, I think that we need to have a conversation that it is still early in the college football season, and I think we need to temper things, right? I think we need to temper some expectations and calm down. We always talk about the NFL as being the overreaction kind of, uh, you know, overreaction Sunday night we always have, and we have overreaction and who's freaking out and what's going on. 
preseason rankings are garbage. In every sport, preseason rankings are garbage because they come out before anybody plays the game, right? So let, let's let's all take a breath. Michigan State was ranked number 11. Washington humiliated them tonight. And I know, look, it's only an 11-point win. If you watch that game, uh, they were up 29 nothing at one point. I mean, they, they absolutely destroyed them. Preseason rankings for Michigan State. I'm not getting crazy about Michigan State going, oh, man, they're a terrible team. And I'm not I'm, – I like Washington. I'm not putting them in and saying, oh, here we go. You know, they're going to be that team. I think Williams from USC was getting all kinds of Heisman hype. Look, he's struggling against Fresno State tonight. 20-32-14 right now uh, with only one touchdown. I think that we got to calm ourselves down with that. I think we need to calm ourselves down uh, thinking that, well, changing a coach in Nebraska is going to switch everything. No, 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 it's not. Everybody calm down. Oregon's the worst team in the country. Oh, they're absolutely horrible after getting blown up by Georgia. BYU looked great last week. They're number 12. Well, okay, well, uh, uh, there goes that, right? Texas A&M is garbage. Oh, they go out there and beat number 13, Miami. I mean, there was a lot that, uh, I mean, even, look, even Florida. Let, let's give the Heisman Trophy to their dual you know, quarterback that jumps up in the air. Eh, they barely got by South Florida at home. I think we need to calm down, let the dust settle in the college football landscape, like we always say with the NFL over the first couple of weeks. The first couple of weeks is is more of a sparring round. Let's calm down with going, all right, I'm going to anoint this team for whatever they may be. I love the top-seeded or top-ranked teams playing Cupcake City. I always think those are uh... – you know, what do they call them? They, they uh, buy games. It's more so on the college basketball side, buy games, but because you have more upsets there. But, um, like, for instance, today, Michigan just stormrolled UConn and Alabama, of course, and Georgia. Because I think, right, Tommy? Ohio got, State scored 77, getting right. my offense back on track. You know, that, right. There you go. Ohio State's a perfect example. You know, one of the guys that listens to the show said to me, um, Oh, come on. You said Ohio State was going to break every offensive scoring record. They, they haven't looked good so far. All right. Well, they put up 77 today. You feel better? <laughs> right? Right? You feel better about 367 out of Stroud uh, and five touchdowns today? I mean, we're going to see more of these contests. They put up 77 points today, Tim. They're one of the teams, though, if you go back to our brief preview show, they were one of the teams in the mix that we said were going to be in the Final Four, right? Or, or right there, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia. We all had these teams in this mix. I don't think that's going to change much. Maybe one or two drop, but we all kind of – I wouldn't say it was as much as years past, Tom, where we were all about, well, Alabama, Georgia, that's what it's going to be. And it's still very, very may well be that again, but there's a lot more uh, hands in the pie, I think, when you talk about it, what's going to happen here. I started the year off and I did one of my videos at Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. And, and I kind of talked about there's really less than 10 teams in the country that can win the national championship. I got a lot of pushback from that, Tim. A lot of people go, come on, Tom, you can't be serious. I said, no, really, there's less than 10 teams that can win the national championship. Tim, my feeling isn't much different. It really isn't. I, I mean, you know, you look up and down the ledger – I don't think that I could find 10 teams that could really win. Look, Oklahoma State is an impressive 3-0. They're ranked eighth in the country. Is there anybody out there that truly believes that Oklahoma State's going to win the national championship? Kentucky got a shutout today. They're 3-0. 
anybody believe that Kentucky can really win a national championship? Number 10, Arkansas struggled with Missouri State. Anybody believe that they can? BYU went down. Miami went went down. I mean, are we talking about Tennessee? Tennessee at 15. Anybody believe they can win a national championship? I mean, we're talking about not make the college football playoff, not have a good season, not maybe win your division, not win a conference. We're talking national championship. Tim, I said there was less than 10, and I said, all right, you know what? Maybe there's about 10. I think that there's less, and I'm not overreacting. It's just going off of what I saw in the preseason, and now what I see here. Even USC. Does anybody believe USC is winning the national championship, guys? Come on. Since it, since we are in Las Vegas, do, do we need to bring it up, Tom, that UNLV now 2-1 and one after putting up a 58 spot on North Texas today? Absolutely great performance. I thought that yeah. North Texas was going to give them problems. And, and before the year, if you remember, I said we had two different shows um, uh, talking about UNLV. And in one of the shows I said, you know, I think uh, I think maybe North Texas could, could steal that game. I said, I think North Texas is a little underrated. And then I regrouped and I said, you know what, I'm going to give them a win there. Okay, I think they get out of the first three games at two and one. Um, I, I never saw this coming though. North Texas is much better than what we saw today, and UNLV in the second half put up thirty-five points. Look, this was a, a 23-20 game at the half, so this wasn't a complete blowout from from start to finish. I, even going into the fourth quarter, right? I mean, going into the fourth quarter, it, it was a close battle. It was a you know a two-score game. 21 points in the fourth quarter, 35 points in the second half. What has hurt UNLV for years has been their inability to run the ball at the end of the game and to close out games and to stop the run at the end of the game and to be able to close out games. They've just not been able to do that for years. I talked about their white defensive line for the last few years. They're the guys that come in and they're athletic, but they get pushed around late. I've talked about their offensive line having problems, and athletically speaking, they are just not able to maintain a full 60 minutes, and they weren't able to put out games. And usually over the last, what, I mean literally, what, six, seven years here, Tim, over the last six, seven years, UNLV fades in the second half, and especially in the fourth quarter. They own the second half. They own the second quarter. This is a win I think UNLV fans really need to get excited about. Next up at Utah State on Saturday, uh, next Saturday, 4 o'clock, scheduled kickoff. So already the geniuses that are Rebel fans out there, Tom, talking about an eight-win I saw it today on eight-win season, some guy said, which unbelievable. We're really, you know, look, we've already talked about these people, and there's no reason why. UNLV should not go and knock out Utah State, who's averaging 12 points a game right now on the season. But it is a situation where you have to be careful, right, Tom? It's it's a, a now you're looking at it from a side that generally UNLV fans haven't looked at as being the favorite. They should go in and get business done. They got to be careful here. Utah State, even though they're pathetic, doesn't mean that on their best Saturday they couldn't knock off this UNLV team. Tim, eight wins is is just moronic that's saying that they will knock off either air force notre dame san diego state or fresno state right i mean what we've seen so far is that air force is as good as i predicted them to be and they're better than what most people believe 
Notre Dame's having a bad year. You're not going in. You're not going into South Bend and winning that game. It, it just no, it's not happening. You're not winning against San Diego State on the road, and Fresno State probably is a loss. You'd have to win one of those games at least, and every other game. Here's the thing with what I look at, and I go at the end of, and we talked about this, Tim. What is your expectation of the UNLV program? Well, we've spoke about this. What was your expectation, Tim? After three games, I expected them to be one, two and one. After three games, I expected them to have their lone loss on the road. Now, did they play better against Cal than I thought? Absolutely, they did. Did they play better against North Texas than I thought? Absolutely, they did. Should they win against Utah State? Yes, they should. Should they win against New Mexico, against San Jose State? I can't say that. I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe. Should they win against Hawaii? Hawaii looks much worse than I thought. So if you want to go by what your eye test says – if you're looking at final scores, sure, absolutely. But let's not kid ourselves into believing that UNLV dragged North Texas up and down the sidelines today, right? I mean, let's let's not make it more than it was. 21.4th quarter, 21 to nothing, okay? So you, you go back and you go, all right, it was basically like a one-score game in the fourth quarter going into the fourth quarter or, or just about a one-score game. Would you feel much different if they beat North Texas 38-27, right? I, I, I still look at this as a 2-1 and one team. It's 2-1 and one going on the road, a road where they have not won often this regime. Anybody that's on this team has not won often on the road. They still have their one road game was a loss this year, even though they played well. I got to see it. I think that they probably do beat Utah State, probably do beat New Mexico. I think San Jose State is going to be a tough battle. They're not beating Air Force, Notre Dame, San Diego State, or Fresno State. And I could see that Hawaii trip and Nevada being trip-up game. Yeah. Two and one. I think we looked at the first quarter of the season saying if you came out of there two and two, you got to be happy. They have a chance to potentially be three and one, Tom. So, yeah, uh, everything going the right way. They just have to stay on and and see what happens because the meat of the schedule definitely coming up after – this next game next Saturday. So, Tom, we will take timeout one. We're going to come back and dive into a full card of NFL Week 2 action. Stay tuned. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. We're over there on that Twitter at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports. And we're going to get you into week two here of the National Football League. Tom, a lot. We're only two weeks into the season and still big name injuries throughout the league. Kamara looks like he's out tomorrow. Kittle not going to play again now, out the first two games of the season. Uh, Evans and Fournette banged up in Tampa, but it looked like a go. Pittman out for the Colts. And now Herbert fractured rib last uh, two nights ago in that game against Kansas City. So you have something you have to pay attention there. Just uh, already the injury bug hitting the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's big-time names. Um, we're in a new culture in sports betting here, Tim, and I want to bring it back to that only for a moment because it also goes, pertains to fantasy where we are more aware than we ever were about these injuries, right? We are more aware 
that a tight end's injury, like in George Kittle, can be that impactful. So the overall community, the football community, is a smarter community than it has been in the past. These are not low-level guys, right? I mean, these are these are big-time names. I mean, even look at Green Bay. Green Bay struggled all week last week, and you go, oh, man, you know, didn't see that coming. What do you mean? Their number one receiver was out, and three offensive linemen were out. For the Bucks. three offensive linemen were out. Uh, th- these guys matter. I'm sorry. They just flat-out do. And you start to see the injuries piling up every year, whether you're a fantasy player, a prop player, just like football as a fan. Every year, you have to pay so much attention to the injury report. It seems like bigger names every week are going down. Hart, you know, when we looked at the schedule, we previewed the schedule last Sunday, and we were talking about <clears throat> our contest. We're, we're in the the super contest over at the Westgate, which, by the way, Tom tied for 67th right now with a 4-1 and record, so off to a great start. But a lot of the matchups in the line set a certain way, and I wouldn't say this is the most uh, glorious or pretty set of matchup games, and kind of the spreads tell you the same. Yeah, it's a tough, tough week. Yeah, this is one of those weeks where you can get really burned. We have double-digit favorites with the Rams, double-digit favorite with the Niners, double-digit favorite with the Broncos, double-digit favorite with the Packers, double-digit favorite with the Bills. It seems like everything else after that, Tim, is like three-point spreads. I mean, there's, it is either we are going to see a lot of blowouts, <laughs> you know, or we're getting lots of very close games. And it's a tough week. When we did that contest, man, what did I say to you? Usually I come to you and I go, all right, Tim, I got three or four really solid plays. we got to kind of figure out the last one or two. That's exactly what happened last week. I said, Tim, here are my four solid plays. We've got to kind of figure out that last one. Uh, we didn't, and that was our own, only loss. This week, I turned around to you. I said, Tim, I, I kind of like two games. we got to sort of figure out the other three, right? I mean, that was the feeling that I had. We we got two games. we got to try to kind of figure the rest out because of the way that it went down. It's it's The lines are just massive or minuscule, and you got to kind of hope for the best. Let's dive right on in. Just going, uh, no, no particular order here. Just kind of what I'm looking at. So let's start with this matchup in Cleveland. The Browns take on the Jets. Browns won win last week over Carolina and ex quarterback Baker Mayfield. They win it late on a field goal. The Jets trounced by the Ravens. Joe Flacco, 300 yards passing. We'll get the, the nod again in week number two. Chubb, 140 on the ground last week for Cleveland. Tom, the, the Brownies, if you like the game, the Brownies, six-and-a-half-point favorite, and your total, 39-and-a-half. Yeah, Browns won a cover a game and won a game uh, for the first time on opening day in 17 years. Um, Joe Flacco, Tim, 17-3 against the Browns. Does that mean anything to you? No, he was with the Ravens. That means nothing. But, look, the Jets were going crazy last week. Joe Flacco threw the ball 59 times. They don't want to see Joe Black, Flacco going back there 59 times with Miles Garrett coming in his face. And the reason why the numbers look so skewed is because he was just winging the ball up there. They had no confidence in their rookie Brees Hall, no confidence in Michael Carter to run the ball at all. And don't tell me it was because the game was a blowout because you, as a Ravens fan, know we were texting each other in the middle of the third quarter and going, uh, are they going to wake up, right? I mean, the yeah. game was still within reach. The Jets were only 2 of 14 on third down against Baltimore. So it goes to show you, the Jets really struggled all week long. Uh, I think Jacoby Brissett should never be 
nearly a touchdown favorite against anybody. I think that the line is certainly inflated. But it's one of those games where how do you go to the window and take the New York Jets after what you saw? Now, I can't go to the window and take the Browns laying a touchdown even in this spot. I just can't do that because of what we have seen from the Browns more so than what we have seen in the Jets. This is, for a lot of people that are betting this game, this is a bet against the Jets as opposed to a bet bet for the Browns. And I think I understand that mentality there. Make me a point on if if I'm looking at this game and whatever – I don't know why, but make me a point on that the Jets can cover this game or maybe just straight out win it. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the reality is is that I think that the Browns are one-dimensional, right? I mean, that Done. really is what it is. They are a one-dimensional team, Tim. They only can run the ball. I don't think that the pass is anything serious. So if you are just running the ball and the Jets decide to stack the box – and the Jets decide to play real conservative and um, defensively and go crazy uh, out of the box offensively, they can win this game. If they go defensively and they just say, okay, we're, we're going to dare you to throw the ball on us, well, I think they can win the game in that manner. And if you turn around and you go, okay, look, uh, offensively, we're going to pull it all out. We're going to be doing reverses. We're going to be doing uh, you know, uh, flea flickers. We'll be doing everything we could possibly do here. We're going to do everything, Tim. If that is your take here, maybe the Jets could win the game. It, I still don't feel comfortable laying six and a half. If this was a pick game, I think Cleveland walks out with a win. Would it make you more comfortable if this line was nine and a half, Cleveland? No, no. I think it's <laughs> right, right for Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. You know, a Cleveland team that people didn't like last week. And you got to remember that we, what we talked about is that price is built in. It's built in because people don't want to root for Cleveland. It's built in if people are rooting against Cleveland this year. So that is already built in there. I think, too, if you're a Browns fan, which I know there's very few left, but if you're a Browns fan and your, your thought process should be this, J- Jacoby Brissett sucks. Chubb is awesome. That's all we need to do. If they stop that, then we're not going to win this game. But if they can't stop it, it doesn't matter. So why, why all of a sudden be infatuated with – with the NFL passing game when they can't stop you running the ball. I, I agree. Just run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. Old school football. If the Jets stop you, then you're going to have to figure it out. But if they can't, it doesn't matter. You should win that game. That's how bad the Jet offense is, or excuse me, the bad the Jet defense can technically be. Because if they, you know, Chubb runs all day, he ran 140 on Carolina. He's going to have a good game tomorrow as well, I believe. Yeah, Chubb and Hunt. And if they decide to start Jarnish Johnson, uh, give him a couple of carries. They're going to be able to run. It, this is a game where you get you get nervous if you're laying the six and a half because of this. If you sat down, Kevin Stefanski, and you st- uh, sat down, Robert uh, uh, Asala, both in a room, and you said, okay, what's kind of like the score you're hoping for? Both of them are going to go at like 2017. You know what I mean? They both want to play a low-scoring, run-the-ball, eke-out-with-a-win type of game. Both of them have that game plan. I could see them absolutely dominate. You could watch Cleveland dominate this game and it'd be, you know, a six-point win, a five-point win. I could see something like that, Tim. Dominating the game, it's 20-10 to 10 most of the game, and then all of a sudden the Jets with a backdoor touchdown. That means nothing. 2017 and you lose. I can see that. Washington will be in Detroit to take on the Lions. Commanders 1-0 and a zero on the year. Lions 0-1. and one. 
Tom, this line now, Detroit, about a point and a half. Everybody's on Detroit. Uh, from yeah. Speaking of sportsbook managers, Tim, they are either the number one or number two bet team this week. Everybody loves them. It has been 24 weeks since the Detroit Lions have been a favorite. And not only are they favorite, this line opened up at Lions plus one. It crossed the zero. Some people have the Lions all the way up to two and a half right now, Tim. I'm hearing terms of 90% of the money wagered and 95% of the tickets are on the Lions. Nobody is on Washington. Now, why not? Well, the Lions almost won last week. Forget about the, the fact that they were down like 38 points, right? Uh, they almost won, and they came back, and they fought hard, and they were on hard knocks. I mean, that's just reality, right? Meanwhile, you look at Washington, the team that people were betting against because of Jacksonville. Carson Wentz goes out there. He's got four touchdown passes. The Giants, uh, the Lions' defense allowed 455 yards of offense to Philadelphia and 38 points in what was becoming a blowout game. You have two cornerbacks that may be the two worst cornerbacks in the league in Detroit, and one of them is banged up. Their secondary is terrible. Now you have Dotson and McLaren and Logan Thomas. You have a collection of wide receivers that are going to be flying all over the field there. Last week, Washington, they didn't have a good time against James Robinson and Travis Etienne, right? They had 134 yards and two touchdowns. But DeAndre Swift here banged up. Jamal Williams had a nice game statistical-wise, and if you love him in fantasy, sure. But overall, they weren't able to run. I'm looking at this game, and I'm going, I don't get it. Unless it is purely the hard knocks effect here, Tim, how are you betting on a team that hasn't been a favorite in 24 straight day, 24 straight weeks, and they were getting their doors blown off last week? Sympathy, right, Tommy? Like you said, you buy into what mainstream sees now, and it's – all the pathetic Detroit, they're really fun guys. The coach is awesome. Let's let's put it out on the field and see where the product stands. And I think for Washington, I'm not making a case. I'm just I'm presenting that side because I know we have a lot of Lion fans that listen in on the show and they think we harp on them. We don't. We tell the truth. And our true core, hardcore fans agree with that truth, Tom. And, and really when you look at Washington, if Wentz is smart and, and you know, he, he is – I think we have to put him in that veteran category now. He's a veteran. He sees what he has, and you mentioned the names in Thomas and Dotson, McLaren, who I think McLaren is due for a big game, Tommy. Only four targets last week. He just had the two catches. I know one was a, a touchdown, but I think he sees the ball more tomorrow. Uh, Samuel, huge week one for him. And, and I guess the big question mark is Antonio Gibson, who for all intents and purposes was just playing terrible in the preseason, lost his job. And the only reason he's starting is because Robinson is out with the, the injury. Maybe this is a motivational thing for him. He only had 58 on the ground last week on 14 carries. Give him a little bit more of the rock, and he gets close to that 100 number. But out of the backfield, as we've seen in years past, Tom, Gibson and McKissick, 11 catches, almost 100 yards last week. If, if Wentz is smart, he dials it down to the same same game plan, and I think he'll be able to put up some points and some massive yards. I think so, too. And Gibson looked good last week. I'll beat it against a what people consider a very weak uh, Jacksonville defense, but he looked good. Hey, he's, he's still – look, he's not a running back. I mean, I think that's the reality. He's not a running back. He's a wide receiver playing running back, so getting him out in space can do it. And then, and then you go – look, then you go to the coach, and Brian Feldman on our live show 
said he questions the intelligent level of Dan Campbell. And I go, okay, if you want to go to a coaching matchup, Ron Rivera may not have all the results all the time, Tim, but we know he's a good coach. And if the, the jury is still out, even among Lions fans about Dan Campbell, you got to give the coaching advantage to Ron Rivera as well. Total 48 and a half preference here. Tend to think this one's going over. Um, I tend to think that this might be played into the mid-30s, not the mid-20s. I'm shocked that it's only 48. What have you seen from either one of these defenses to say that they could stop anybody? And the offense no. did nothing but impress me on both sides of the ball. Right, right. I'm meaning not on both sides of the ball, offense, defense. Meaning on both sides, on both teams. Both offenses impressed me. Yeah, I like Washington, too. I I think Detroit's a good, a good feel-good story, but they have to produce on the field, Tom. And until they do that, it doesn't matter at this point. And Washington, I believe you're correct and overlooked coming into the season. And they still may not be very good, Tom, right? Because I don't have them in the playoffs. You don't have them in the playoffs. But they should – we always talk about what's the better team at this point or going into this game. And I have to believe Washington is the better team. They're the better team. And the fact that 90% of the public loves the Lions, that's got to scare any Lions better out there. NFC South – divisional game Tampa at New Orleans both teams with a win last week Tampa Bay Tom never I guess we, we, we'll say never but generally does not play well against the Saints and especially in New Orleans this game now sets at Tampa two and a half point favorite 44 the number oh you could almost say never here Tim let's get into it the Saints have beaten the Bucks in their last seven regular season games now the Bucks didn't win in the play- playoffs which the Bucks do, right? Brady has played the Saints four times in the regular season over the past two years. He's 0-4 in those games. He lost every one of those games by multiple scores to him. And in 2021, the Bucks lost 9-0, which means over his 15-time career, the only time that he's been shut out. So, yeah, they absolutely own them. I will say this, though, because... We know that it's Brady. We we know against the Saints. It is a new coaching staff there. And that really does mean something. It is a new coaching staff. So I understand that if things could change, and it is tough to bend against Brady. And if you are a Bucks fan, I'll give you this as well. You know that the Atlanta Falcons, with their backup running backs, because they are backup running backs at this point, the, the Saints allowed 200 yards to the Falcons last week. Leonard Fournette ran the ball real well against Dallas, who sort of knew that he was running the ball, right? I mean, they, they sort of knew that. So I look at this and I go, yeah, there is some hope for Tampa Bay. There's all the history for the Saints, and there are the injuries for Tampa Bay. Fournette is banged up, and the three offensive linemen certainly worry me. Uh, there is a lot to be concerned about in Tampa Bay. Godwin's out. There's a lot. But you do have the idea that Winston was 10 of 18 for 56 yards going into the fourth quarter last week. The Saints allowed 200 yards against Atlanta. Was it just first game shake it off? Maybe, maybe we'll see that tomorrow. I think this is an impossible game to bet one way or the other. When you look at what could be considered a trend in that, just the, the, the generalized statement that Tampa doesn't match well against New Orleans recently, doesn't play well in the Dome, yet the line sets at a public favorite in Tampa two and a half, right? So now you're even under that field goal where you can get a win if they do win win by a field goal. Is this a public line? What's the, is the number, in your opinion, correct? Or is it slightly off? 
well, I'll give you the percentages. 70% of the bets coming in on Tampa Bay. Yeah. So, I mean, the line is right, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, they're getting Tampa Bay money. Um, maybe they should have maybe they should have adjusted it to three to get a little bit of money back on the other side. But generally speaking, the line is right. Total over. I can't touch the over with the way that the offenses have been banged up and Kamara's out and Fournette's banged up. And I think they're going to run the ball and the the offensive line is banged up. I can't touch that over. If anything, I I would go under. I just hate that stat that the Atlanta Falcons with with Cordell Patterson and Marcus Mariota running for 74 yards, let up 200 yards of rushing last week. Tim, I mean, that's terrible. How about the this next game, Tom? Giant fans are, are already chirping, Tommy. Uh, they're going to the Super Bowl. Shaq Barkley is back. I don't know if he ever made it, but he's back. Daniel Jones needs a contract extension. Hey, 1-0. They welcome the Panthers tomorrow at home. They're a two-point favorite. What say you about this one? Yeah, I wrote an article this week for the New York paper here, and uh, I said – Forget about what happens in this week's game. You have a new regime, oftentimes in New York, especially in New York, but around the country, a new coach comes in and you go, going to be a new culture, going to be a new regime. You know, Brian Dable proved it last week. Things were not going the Giants' way last week. They were beaten in that game, soundly beaten in that game. And he just said, forget about everything. I'm just going with strict talent. I'm just going with Barkley. I'm just going to feed Saquon all day long. And it worked. And then to go for two, that showed a little bit of a cojones there, right? I mean, that just showed what kind of guy Brian Dayball is. So you like that. And Saquon had 194 total yards against the Titans last week. That You like that. You like all everything about it. But let's be real here. The Giants were getting annihilated in that game against the Titans. The Giants are playing in their second straight road game. The Giants were outrushed by the Titans. Uh, they were, you know, uh, until the fourth quarter. They were beaten in the air by the Titans. There wasn't anything that was good in that game other than Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's really what it is. The Panthers, meanwhile, they did outpass the Browns. Okay, obviously they were beaten on the brow against the ground. Okay, that happens. So you look at that and you go, as great as an outbreak that Barkley had, is this the outbreak for Christian McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey played okay last week, but the Giants linebackers are terrible. You remember the Blake? They released Blake Martinez. Their Giants' offensive line was a problem as well. So they do have issues. One stat I'll throw at you and make for it for whatever you want because Matt Rule is still the coach. Carolina's 3-13 against the spread the last 16 games. Present that side to me, though. Matt Rule on the proverbial hot seat. I, I think we saw Baker warm up a little. A lot of pressure in week one, we know that. Just uh, with the whole way that the situation played out. But I thought in the second half, he, he definitely started to, to look a lot better in the offense and was able to move the ball. You need a big game from Christian, like you said. He, he's he's got to show show up here. The weapons are there. Uh, he has the weapons. So can you present the side where the Panthers not only cover, but just win straight out? Yeah, look, they are at home. They're going up against a weak offensive line where you have the likes of Brian Burns coming in. You also have the idea that Christian McCaffrey could go off at any minute. The Giants seem like the perfect team to take advantage of and just beat those middle linebackers, which they just are a weak unit. And, and Baker Mayfield looked better as the game went on. And maybe it was just a little bit of rust throwing it off. He looked better. I mean, they did outpass Cleveland. Not that it's hard to outpass for Jacoby Brissett, but they did outpass them. So 
If Christian McCaffrey can get things working over the middle tomorrow, I will say this from a fantasy standpoint, guys, um, it'll be one of the most fun watches because I think that Christian McCaffrey has a huge game. And I think Saquon Barkley has a huge game. I think especially in the fantasy side of it, that the Panthers, if if McCaffrey's healthy, right, Tom, which says a lot that they're, they're a team that will be able to produce fantasy points every week, just because of the way the offense sets up with, with um, McCaffrey in there. And that's the thing with both of these teams. Uh, the Panthers have better linebacking, uh, better linebacking core than the Giants do for sure. But with both of these teams, it's get the guy out in space. Neither Barkley or Christian McCaffrey are guys that like to run between the tackles. Can they? Sure, but they don't like to. And they're not even guys that really, on a running back situation, want to sweep it outside. Get them in space. That's what it is. Give them those little dump off passes. Anybody that watched Monday Night Football, look at what Javante did, Williams did with twelve receptions, right? Give them those little dump-off passes. Get them in space. And once you do that, you're going up against weak units. The Panthers are better in the linebacking core than the Giants. The Giants' defensive unit in the linebacking core on that second level, they might be one of the worst in the, in the league, if not the worst in the league. Get one more in here. Before the, the timeout, division again. Here we go, Tom. Indianapolis, the ugly tie last week, blowing that game. Jaguars, we already talked about it. They don't get the win. So winless teams match up in Jacksonville tomorrow. And, again, uh, you tell me where the public sets on this game. Tom, the Colts, a field goal favorite on the road. Well, isn't this the, the public against the, the Sharps here? If I, I hate that word. But isn't this, that, that this game? I'll give you the, the, the numbers here. The Colts are getting the third highest amount of public Money in tickets, but the biggest money is coming in on the Jaguars. So they don't have a lot of tickets, but they have a lot of money. So the money is split down the middle, but it's because of the ticket count. The Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Okay. They've been a better team for a lot of those years since then. They lost there last year with an opportunity to just tie the game and they go to the playoffs. Couldn't do it. Jacksonville got the win there. Jacksonville is 7-0 and against the spread, the last seven against Indy. Okay, uh, you you look at them and you just go, they have their number. But again, we're talking different regimes. Again, we're talking a lot of things differently. Here's the thing, though. You have Jonathan Taylor, and then what? I mean, really, and then what? My concern with the Colts in the preseason was that they lost their defensive coordinator, they lost defensive assistants, they lost their best defensive player in take on uh, 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 or Shaquille Darius Leonard. They lost perimeter cornerbacks and Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin. They lost starting strong safety, Carrie Willis, right? I mean, you look at what they lost was just immense on the defensive side of things. Now, offensively, my argument was, okay, after Taylor, who was clearly option one to run the ball, Matt Ryan, who's in a new system, is going to be thrown to Michael Pittman, and his number two guy is Mo Alley-Cox. Well, Michael Pittman's out of this game now, Tim. This is a perfect spot where people are looking at this and they're not following their eyes of week one. They're not following what they watched in week one with both of these teams. They're saying, you know what? The Colts, I thought they were going to win this division. There's no way they're going 0-2. That's people's opinion. I wonder if we would have seen so many tickets on this game had the Colts beaten the, the Houston Texans. But they, they sit there and they go, they can't go two weeks without a win. There's no way the Colts can, can lose this game. Meanwhile, all the numbers, all the setups, all the X's and O's 
all lean to the Jags. And really, the Jags last week, Tom, had that game won in the fourth quarter, melted down in the last half of that fourth quarter. To, to They gave up the lead, then the game. You know, So I have to think that going into week two, they, they know that that win, they should be 1-0, not 0-1. And, and secondly... Um, you know, you talked about the Indianapolis side of it. So on, on the the opposite end for for Jacksonville, Robinson and Etienne, that's a solid one-two. Christian Kirk, a huge game uh, in his debut as a Jaguar. And what about this one, Tom? So I saw this as, as a way to, to motivate, I don't know, motivate the pick, I guess. Let's put it that way. Somebody was mentioning that the Colts are, are uh, they circle this game, they're, they're, they're upset about the way last year ended, if you remember, chance to make the playoffs, and they lose to the lowly the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars to, to keep them out of the playoffs. But I think it's, it's separate. I mean, the quarterback is different. There's different moving parts here. So does that, does that uh, really play into handicapping a game? Tim, who's left? Who's left yeah. circling this game? Matt right, Ryan and they right? got a new cornerback. Both quarter, corner, new quarterback, both corners, Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin, are on a different team. They're starting strong safeties on a different team. They're starting free safeties on a different team. Their defensive coordinators on a different team. Their defensive assistants are on a different team. And, you know, they're starting wide receivers on the bench. Like, who circled this game? Well, nobody's circling this game for Indianapolis. I mean, maybe Jonathan Taylor, but we know he's going to be fine. Who's circling this game? That's a silly, silly thing to say. Because whoever's left, it's a brand new Colts team. And this is why I didn't understand the people that were going all crazy for the Colts. Ah, Colts could make a Super Bowl run here. You know, look at what they looked like last year. Guys, 11 players start on defense. 11. Five of them are gone from the defense of last year, including the defensive coordinator. Like, well, who's circling this game? Yeah. I don't think Frank Reich is circling the game. He doesn't want to think about it anymore, right? It almost cost him his job if you really think about it. And Taylor, I don't think, cares. So you're right. It's um, it's a completely different team. I just thought it was funny that this guy used it as his part of his handicapping basis on making a selection that the Colts were the, the was his was his play of the week. Let's put it that way, Tom. Listen, the Colts might win and the Colts might cover, but that's horrendously flawed thinking. It's horrendously flawed thinking to think that a team that is made up of of about half of the players from last year, most of the key positions are gone, are going to circle this game. For week two against Jacksonville uh, is a game to say, are we kidding? Is this how we're handicapping out of here? That, now I understand why people are skeptical about going to TomBartonSports.com because you got knuckleheads out of here that are handicapping on their circling a game. Look, you might win, and the Colts might cover, but don't tell me it's because they're circling a game. That, that's flawed, ridiculous thinking. Tom Holm, divisional dog, Jacksonville impressive week one even though they lost i think you saw the difference obviously in the new regime there for the jaguars talk give me give me the home divisional dog right tom home divisional dog is just golden and more than more than a field goal i know it's come down to about three in some spots but it's more than a field goal as well uh, you know the jacksonville looked good last week you know that i had them yeah i like them uh, i didn't bet them but i like them all day long and it was one of our final teams that we wanted I, I look at the Jaguars and I go, they're developing. They're getting better as, as you start to move on. And you also have to take into account what the weather is going to be like there as well, Tim. 
We talked about it in Miami last week, how that hot, humid weather in still the summer, uh, still sitting here, you got three more days till the summer ends, and still the summer can really can drain on a team. I will also say this, by the way, um, for Peterson, I think that this is one of those games that it, it's certainly not a must win, but for Peterson, he likes these kind of matchups. You have a wounded dog coming into your house and people are still doubting you. I think he loves this kind of matchup. E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Hour one comes to a close. Yes, more NFL action in hour number two. Make sure you stay tuned as we run through the rest of the day games into the afternoon, evening, and then, of course, we get that doubleheader on Monday. Two nice games as well. So we'll break it all down for you here on the other side of the hour, top of the hour. E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Are you ready? Now back to Heatwave Sports. Gonna jump right back in here, hour two, Heatwave Sports. Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. At Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports over on Twitter. Tom, now hey, Jim, before, before we no, go, go jump back into the uh, NFL, I just want to point out one, some, one thing that, that I did see in the highlights when we were in commercial break, and I forgot to mention it. Uh, Manti Tay was back in Notre Dame. That was yeah. kind of cool. That was kind of cool. I know you haven't seen it yet, but me and Chris Wynn were talking about the, the Manti Tayo special. If you guys have not watched the Manti Tayo special, it's, it's a must-see. It really is. It, I don't think a lot of us are paying attention about the things that went on in that guy's life. This guy deserves a big apology from almost everybody. <laughs> and I mean, the, the fact that he could go back to the stadium today, get the standing ovation, just one of the, one of the best guys on earth at this point. I mean, I can't even overshoot it. If you watch that special, I just saw that during the, the commercial and I saw him on the field. In Notre Dame. I said, Oh man, that's really good. we got to give a shout out to that. It's actually on my list. I, I'm, I got a couple more episodes left of, of Cobra Kai season five, and then I, I will watch it, Tom. I promise. So I knew you were going to watch Cobra Cobra <laughs> Kai. I have not gotten into it yet. Well, I mean, I haven't gotten into this season yet. Uh, that's a, it's tough because that's like a binge watch for me. Once you start watching one, you got to watch them all, and I have to watch it with Abby because she enjoys it too. So we got to sit around and we got to binge watch, and it's hard for uh, uh, people with parent parents of two kids to sit around and find a binge watching time to be able to do it. Oh, no doubt. I've I've literally had to stop myself from continuing just because I needed some semblance of sleep in order to get through the day. But I got like two to go. I love the show. It's uh, for for people that grew up when that movie came out. And granted, I was just a little kid, but it was something that evolved over the years into this big thing. And then it was almost like a, just a I don't even know how to describe it. It's so big now. The the whole Miyagi universe they talk about, but you know, in the two thousands, early two thousands, and, and you talk to your friend about all oh, Karate Kids on that was a great movie, but nobody nobody really looked at it like it is now. And I think it's because it's absorbed into the new generation of there's new fans, there's younger uh, generation that's into it, and really it's these these guys that continued on with the process of the Karate Kid saga. They've really done a great job in intertwining Tommy. The, the original stuff into with the new the new uh, regime, new breed, whatever you want to call it, and it, it's it gives it's a little bit of something for everybody. And I think that's why it's such a good show. Tim, I'm calling your BS. Yeah, 
You said when Karate Kid came out, you were a little kid. No, you weren't. <laughs> uh, Listen, I, I was 12. No, it came out in... 89. 84. 85, yeah. Oh, I thought it was 89. Yeah. 89 the original Karate Kid? Yeah, 89 was Karate Kid 3, oh. actually. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Okay, no, no, so you're right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, seven years old. <laughs> I was seven. Okay, that's yeah. fine. I thought it was 89. No, no. I'm going 12 years old. We can't call us. I was young as well. Look, we don't need to, to buff the age any more than it already is, Tommy. Right, right <laughs> at that point, so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would I, definitely recommend that that show for anybody. Since I'm older than you, I can make fun of you. I think I'm, like, months <laughs> older than you, so. Okay. <laughs> We we look good for our age, Tom. Just, just put it that way, my man. Oh, absolutely. M many of adult entertainers have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think the girls in the Palomino do not lie at all. <laughs> so now that you're back, what is the routine NFL Sunday at the Barton household, man? I have to tell you, and this is no insult to you or Las Vegas, I said to Abby tonight, it's so funny you mentioned that, I said, uh, I'm glad to be back in my routine for so for tomorrow. I you know I wake up. Uh, I have my show from 11 to 1. So that that on East Coast that's right up until kickoff, 11 a.m. to 1, which is the kickoff is at 1 o'clock. So I'll wake up at about 9 o'clock, have a good breakfast, and then I, I start to do. Besides my my show is pretty prepped, but so show prep, last minute stuff, do that, do the show, and then it literally when I tell you it is a couch day. I am serious where I sit on the couch all day long. So my wife and the kids are usually at church until 1230 or so. And then kids go to my mom's. Abby either comes here or, or the house is to myself. And that's it. I mean, I watch the games. We watch Red Zone. The kids come home. We watch the 4 o'clock games kind of together. We all have dinner like we do every night during the halftime. We plan out uh, during the halftime of the 4 o'clock games, which is, you know, right about 530. We all have dinner together. And then uh, the the late night game, usually me and Abby sit on the couch. It is a couch sitting day. I, after I get off my show, which by the way, I'm only sitting in my office in a leather chair. But after I get off my show, I pretty much only get up to walk around, to go to the bathroom and to get a drink. From uh, I leave my couch maybe three or four times from one o'clock until I'm on the show with you guys, which then again, I'm in my office sitting in a chair. So you, you, you can count on like, I don't know, 16 hours of sitting down tomorrow. So for the West Coasters, like myself, here's the routine, Tom. At work, get in the car, drive home at 2, 3, 4 in the morning. Just depends on what's going on. While, by the way, I'm listening to the podcast, your podcast. Uh, you know, that's a Saturday night thing for me. Wagering Week. Anybody that wants to check it out. Wagering Week podcast. Locked and loaded, ready to go for tonight. Get home, try to get a nap in because for us, 10 o'clock is the kickoff into the afternoon games. So while you're eating dinner, it's 2.30 here. We're eating lunch. So it's just uh, crazy how the, the time zones play into our effect. But at the end of the day, although it's Monday for you, we end the show together, Tom, to recap everything on Sunday night. Yeah, it, I will tell you, when I was younger, I guess maybe the time change didn't bother me. At all. I, I, I felt it this time, but, you know, and I always sort of feel it in the morning because for me, like you said, I mean, games are, are just so much different, different spaced out time. They're 
planned on the East Coast that when the late game ends, you go to sleep. Now, I don't because of the show, uh, but that's how they are planned. It was weird having kind of that gap, you know, and being able to go, okay, well, wait a minute. It's not, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning or 12 o'clock at night where I could actually go and do some stuff. It was, it was 9 o'clock. I went out for dinner after the game. So it, it is a – the time change is certainly weird, which is funny because we talk all the time about sports and how the body clock is and how the time change clock is um, and how the older you get, really, the time change does affect you. And these athletes are in such a routine. That's why it is so difficult. Going the other way, going from East Coast to West Coast – doesn't really screw you up as much as coming the other way. You know, coming from West Coast to East Coast is just, it, it really, really messes up the body. About a decade ago, Tom, I went to Hawaii during the football season, just for vacation. Literally was watching football at 8 a.m. The afternoon games were done by 2 had a whole afternoon left. I, I, I'm sure there was a Sunday night game. I don't remember watching it, but I remember this specifically – the, the early games, 8 and 11, I want to say. It, it was crazy. Done by 2 o'clock, man. Yeah, I'm going to Hawaii actually in June, and uh, I tried to plan it out because exactly what you said. I, I don't know how I could possibly work there. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to find out. Uh, but it's from me. I mean, you know, it's, it's a difference for you. For me, it's even more. It's three more hours of difference. I mean, it's a completely different world there. <laughs> Well, it's funny. My, my my friend that's my biggest Kansas City Chiefs fan that I've ever met in my life, okay? Uh, this is a guy that, uh, I mean, lives and breathes and dies KC Chiefs. And he um, he moved to Taiwan. And he's been living in Taiwan now for about 10 years, probably about 12 years now. And we talk about the game. And, and I'm always like, wait, what time? You go? So he's lived in Taiwan. He's lived in Vietnam. He's lived in Australia. And I'm always like, wait, what time is it? He's like, well, it's the next day. <laughs> you know? I'm like, all right. Oh, wait, what are you talking about? Did you see the game? Yeah, it's 2 a.m. the next day. I, oh, I can't figure this stuff out. <laughs> Speaking of the Chiefs, any thoughts on Thursday night? They, they get a 27-24 win over San Diego, yeah, San Diego in a division matchup. That was, a, that was a good, exciting game to watch. Yeah, it really was. It didn't play out the way that I thought. I thought Mahomes was going to um, really be lighting it up, especially so he came out looking so good. Uh, but – the Chargers were effectively good defensively. I know they lost the game, but I was impressed with the Chargers' defense because they weren't getting to Mahomes. So to me, if Bosa and Mack aren't getting home, that's the way that you beat the Chargers. They weren't getting to him. It was the secondary level, especially led by James, that just had a phenomenal night. So I came away very encouraged by the Chargers. Meanwhile, uh, the Chiefs, I think we can all say exactly what me and you talked about in the preseason. Uh, it's a little, little early to say that Andy Reid can't win games in this league, right? A little early to say that they're not going to win this division. If Herbert is banged up, it is a big concern. And I will say this, they are not using Austin Eckler the right way. And I think people are freaking out in the fantasy community, especially, oh, they're not using the right way. It, it's, a, it's a bad situation. What's going on? But all I hear from the beat reporters of the Chargers is that this was designed. Eckler wanted early on in the season to not be used the right way, and then late in the season, he's going to win people championships because down the stretch, he wants to stay healthy. That's actually a good tidbit. If Eckler fan, and I have him on my fantasy team, Tom, is that uh, if it wasn't for the the late fourth quarter push by, by the Chargers, 
to get some garbage points. He would have finished close to uh, – well, most of the game he was under double digits for fantasy points, and he really got over that with the little dunk, dunk and dink receptions there at the end. And they, they – but that's all design. You know, it doesn't take a toll – we don't realize, but it doesn't take a toll on the body uh, as much going one-on-one in the open field with, with one player as it is for a small guy like Eckler, who, by the way, in – every other life is young in running back age is 27 years old. He's old You're going between the tackles. They don't want him going between the tackles too often. Mm-hmm. I can't blame him, Tim. No, I agree. Next two games up involve interesting lines. I'll put it that way and we'll break them down for you here. First up, New England at Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. The Patriots dropped their first game last week at Miami, now still again on the road. Steelers, big win over Cincinnati. A crazy, crazy game we broke down last week for you on the Sunday night edition of Heat Wave Sports. And this one, Tom, we, we kind of uh, just questioned the line all week. I know we know Pittsburgh has injuries. We know New England looked terrible last week. New England is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the Steelers. Yeah, where Mike Tomlin is 41-23-2 against the spread in his career as an underdog. It gets even better when he's at home. It's unbelievable. It doesn't make any sense. Um, The total, by the way, has also dropped from 43 down to 39.5. And And you look at this and you go, T.J. Watt is out. Mac Jones was banged up. Mac Jones will play. They're saying it's going to be okay. This is really how much of a step back will the Pittsburgh Steelers take? I think this is a pick 'em game, even the Steelers as a plus. If, uh, or, you know, minus, I should say, um, minus one maybe, if Watt was healthy. But Watt's not healthy. And a lot of this has to go with the fact that I think that there are a lot of people out there just saying, uh, Bill Belichick's not going to be owned too. I mean, just not. Let's also remember the subplot here, Tim. And the subplot is Brian Flores is on the other sideline, right? Brian, Brian Flores. You could not like him, like him. You could say whatever you want about him. But that defense that he ran in Miami, they blitzed New England. They owned New England. They beat him every time that Flores really took the, the field. They had that offensive line in shambles. They didn't know what to do. Now Brian Flores is on the sidelines in Pittsburgh. I don't understand the line at all. I think that a lot of this is just people going, Belichick's not going to be owned too. Do you have a public numbers on where this one's people are betting this game? Nearly, nearly 50, 50. I saw the last number I saw was 53% new England. Hmm. So would it be your favorite square sharps here that the sharps would love the Pittsburgh Steelers or excuse me, the, uh, the squares love the Steelers and the sharps are betting the other way, or is it just, no, there's, there's not a lot of with two public teams like this, that, People love to bet. There's not a difference of action. There's not more action on this game than should be. Uh, there, there's. This is one of those games where no one's talking about it. It's kind of just uh, flying under the radar. It's okay. Yeah, the obligatory. Whoever wins the game. I, this this feels like a one point spread, even though it's two and a half. I, I I just don't like it. I don't like it at, at all. Because I do like Pittsburgh in this game, but I don't like it because it doesn't make sense to me. If, if, like you always ask me, if Pittsburgh was minus two and a half. Would I feel better? Yeah, I'd feel better about it, Tim. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it, when you look at, if you're trying to break it down, it wasn't that 
Mitch Trubisky looked great last week. He didn't. He didn't even throw for 200 yards. Uh, wasn't that in the in the, in the grand scheme of, of them being able to run the ball effectively? Uh, Najee Harris was ineffective, 20 yards on the ground. In fact, Claypool had more on his little reverse jaunts than than Najee Harris had uh, just straight running the ball. But then again, they, he only got the ball 10 times rushing wise and for receiving for the receiving side for Pittsburgh for everybody that talked about it, and again we're using one game data here but uh, Johnson seven catches pool four and the rookie that everybody loves George Pickens got just one reception on three targets so offensively even though it was a great football game and they were able to come back and win that game against or keep that lead against Cincinnati and then win it in OT it wasn't like they they it were explosive offensively, and maybe that's kind of the reason why the line is set the way it is as well. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's that makes some sense. Um, that people are just could look. You have to remember that we're only one week in, and going into the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers were supposed to miss the playoffs. They were supposed to be under five hundred first time in Mike Tomlin's reign. This was not supposed to be a good team, according to the odds makers. They set their win total at seven and a half. That's an insult. So, I mean, the same thing is moving, right? Isn't it this just the same feeling? People looked at game one and said, we don't care. We don't care that they just did that to Joe Burrow and, and Cincinnati. We don't care. We're going with how we feel or how we felt about them seven days ago. And before they played that game, people were down on Pittsburgh. It's going to take a couple of weeks before people start believing in them, if they ever do. Pittsburgh rival Baltimore. The Ravens opened their home slate against the Miami Dolphins. Both teams with a win last week, Tommy. The Ravens, three and a hook, 44 and a half. Yeah, my first instinct here, Tim, was I love the Ravens. I like the Ravens in the preseason when I saw this number come out for week two. said this is going to be one of those spots. People are going to overrate Miami. Miami always beats up on New England. Uh, but I didn't love what I saw with Baltimore. And I don't like the idea that the Baltimore Ravens come into this game missing cornerbacks. It's a problem. Kyle Fuller will be out. Marcus Peters missed week one. They're not sure if he's coming back. And what I watched was the Dolphins team that said, hey, we paid for Tyreek Hill. We're going to use him. And we are just going to absolutely use him. What I also didn't like was Lamar Jackson just didn't play the way that Lamar Jackson plays. He didn't run the ball. And we talked about this during contract negotiation stuff, Tim, where maybe this year he wouldn't be running as much. Maybe he won't use those designed runs as much this year because he's a guy that's going, hey, you know what? You don't want to pay me. I'm not going to put my body on the line. I don't think that's what happened. I don't think he had the necessity to run. But he ran for just 17 yards last week. Baltimore ran for 63 yards last week. The lowest total of his career as a starter he ran for last week. These are alarming figures. On the other side, look, the Miami Dolphins, yeah, you played a good game, but New England looks hapless out there. It's not like Miami went out there and, and put on this dominating performance. You basically peppered Tyreek Hill. Uh, you look at Jalen Waddle, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, he looked good. Well, he had a 42-yard catch. Other than that, he had two other catches. The running game was not really effective. Gazeki didn't have anything. He didn't do anything. They didn't have a secondary option. So if Baltimore just decides to take Tyreek Hill away, what can Miami do? I'm not sure. One of the subplots here, Tim, and I love to talk about the subplots in games like this, especially something like this with you, is Lamar Jackson. Two weeks ago, Tim, somebody put on Twitter 
a Photoshop picture of Lamar Jackson in a Dolphins uniform. Tim, he liked it. Are we reading anything <laughs> into this? I think he likes to have fun uh, with the public. Um, look, you, you know, he didn't get his contract. He's going to he, – he's more than welcome to play the field. It's, it's just interesting really after a week because – a tweet like that, Tommy, plays also into Tua's mindset, right? I mean, that, that's supposed to be yes. that guy. And um, I wasn't impressed with him last week. Just like you said, their offense wasn't impressive. They had a lot of a long. They got a cut. They had two big burn plays on the Patriots in that game, and it, they didn't run the ball effectively. You just said it. Edmonds, the the, the guy, he, he wasn't. By by, well, he had twenty yards, twenty five yards on thirteen carries. So he wasn't. They weren't running the ball for big big patches of yardage. I, I am worried too, being being the fan side of it right now, I'm worried about the secondary because Humphrey is questionable. You said Peters, questionable. Fuller is out offensively running the ball. They, they uh, Kenyon Drake, who came in late of the camp, look, he was the main guy until they figure out the rotation there. That's an issue. Ronnie Stanley's out on the line. And, and yeah, Jackson didn't run the ball. And I, I think more of it was – did he have to run the ball, Tom? That was the thing. They were able to expose deep, uh, long, long drives in getting the ball. He had three touchdown passes, and it was granted it was a second half thing. They they woke up in the second half. I expect to see him run the ball a little bit better. I expect to see uh, with that defense pressuring that Lamar will be able to to get out on the open field running the ball. But more 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 for me tomorrow is I expect to see Mark Andrews involved heavily in that offense. Yeah, Mark Andrews, the lack of Mark Andrews in the first half prompted a tweet from me to, or you to me, I should say, being like, what's going on? I mean, where was Mark Andrews? And Lamar Jackson looked, again, he didn't have to do much. You brought up a good point to me that I actually said on my podcast this week, and, and I gave you credit, Tim, is maybe they didn't empty the cover, right? Because they didn't have to empty the cover. There's a, there is a world out there that maybe the Ravens kind of pulled back a little bit on emptying the playbook because they didn't need to against a New York Jets team. Maybe that's an angle here, Tim. Maybe. We will see tomorrow morning in that game. I I like them, Tom. I just hate that hook because I think it can be a close game. And I hate having to – if you're betting it, I hate to have the three and a half, man. Well, if it makes you any, feel any better, Lamar Jackson's never won a uh, – never lost a home opener and – about 60% of the money is coming in on Miami, and the line hasn't moved. Usually that much money comes in on Miami. You lose the hook. They didn't lose the hook on this one. That wraps up the day games. When we come back, we'll dive into the afternoon games. There's a lot of big lines in the afternoon matchups. We'll talk about it with Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. It's Heat Wave Sports. It's Fox Sports Radio. the final segment of Heatwave Sports, getting you ready for NFL action tomorrow. Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. We're with you every Saturday and Sunday at 10 o'clock. And we went through the day games, Tommy. Some night ones. A lot of big lines here in the night games. We'll start with the defending champs, the LA Rams at home taking on Atlanta. Both teams with an L last week. And Tom, line is indicative of 
what would be considered the better team in this situation, the Rams, a 10-point favorite over Atlanta. Yeah, look, um, the Rams look bad. They look bad. They have problems. They have question marks. you got to worry about Stafford. But it doesn't look like the Rams are worried about him. I mean, he threw all day long, right? Um, nobody can stop Cooper Cup. Let's just look at this, though, and, and say, hold on a second. <laughs> you know, they look bad, but they're back at home. They look bad, but they get four extra days rest here. They look bad, but they're taking on a Falcons team that, yeah, they played close, but, I mean, wow, did they get absolutely shredded in the fourth quarter. Jameis Winston threw for 219 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. They also ran the ball for 200 yards. That's not going to happen against this Rams team. You look at Terrell and Casey, yeah, they're good on the perimeter, uh, but you, you look at, you know, an undrafted rookie is going to be in the slot against Cooper Cup. I think this is more of the same here, Tim. Why go with something creative? Why are the Rams going to do anything more than what they usually do, which means Stafford to Cup, stuff the run, and get out of here with a win? You, you look at the Rams, and they have problems long-term. I don't love their offensive line. I think Stafford is more hurt than he's letting on. They need a number two receiver. I think they can be beaten in the second level defensively. Okay, all of that is true. But you look at, take away what Atlanta did well last week. I don't think Atlanta's running for 200 yards in this game. Marcus Mariota isn't running for 74 yards in this game. And you look at the slot receiver that they're going to be picking on. It's going to either be D. Alford, an undrafted rookie, or Mike Ford, who gives up about 10 yards per target, who did that in week one. Cooper Cup's going to have a massive game. And I think you can beat a team with Atlanta, like Atlanta, with all your deficiencies, and you can beat them pretty well with most of these deficiencies. And in all full transparency, Tom, that the Rams were initially going to be a selection for us in the contest, but in that contest, they attached a hook to that 10, whereas you could bet the game right now at 10. In that contest, we went 10.5, and... A half and is that a way to, to, to uh, just basically to turn a sure win in our minds away in that contest? Or is it, you know, why why the extra hook in the contest, whereas that line sat basically at 10 everywhere during the week? Well, I, I think the contest just puts out the lines too early. I mean, that's mm -hmm. reality. Before last week's games were played, this was a 13.5-point spread. So when people watched the Rams play. They watched the Falcons play and said, let's bring this down three and a half points. I think that's a massive dip because of one game. You want to talk about overreaction? This is the overreaction game, or at least the overreaction line. Before the week one games were played, that Wednesday night before, Thursday afternoon before the games were played, it was 13 and a half everywhere. You could bet the week two games at 13 and a half. Now, because Atlanta played tough for three quarters against the Saints, and because the Rams were blown there out in, you know, at home on a Thursday night against what is the best team in the league in the Buffalo Bills? We're going to lower it by three and a half points. I think it just took a little while to get back to this point, which is 10. And I even saw a nine and a half hanging out there today. But that that hook, if you're betting the game straight and it's 10 and a half, you really have to, to double think betting it if you cannot. I'm, I'm sure you, like you can buy the half, right? We know that. But I'm just saying if you have to choose between 10 and 10 and a half, it could keep you off. Well, yeah, kept us off. I mean, that yeah. was one of the questionable plays this week. I think this week we had two pretty solid plays, and then we were kind of picking and choosing between them. The Rams were on our card. The Rams are one of the final two. Um, we really like the Rams, but, yeah, that hook was the deciding factor. 
And that's, that's kind of the coin flip situation. What is the deciding factor? I told you last week, I like this. Uh, I like Seattle. Seattle was going to be our last team, right? But we got a pretty bad line on Seattle because it was early in the week. And that kept us off and actually gave us a loss. Well, this week we'll see if it does the same thing with the Rams. I just didn't like going do- more than double digits in that spot. By all means, the Rams should win this game convincingly. But you said it before. We've watched it. You're up 31, 31-14, right, Tom? Easy cover in the bag. Uh, breakaway touchdown by Atlanta late. 31-21, you just lost. That's exactly how it happens. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, you, you <laughs> lost everybody. You know, the Rams feel good. Everybody that has fantasy players feel good. Everybody got the 10 feels good. And you're sitting there going, oh, I, I yeah. can't believe I just lost by the hook. <laughs> you mentioned the Seahawks. Let's bring it up. Seattle coming off that Monday night win at home against Denver. Head to San Francisco to take on the Niners, who were trounced by your Chicago Bears, Tom. San Francisco, a nine-point favorite in their home opener. Here's another one of these, okay, what do we make of this, right? Seattle's a team I told you I liked on Monday. I said it on the air all, all last week. I liked them because I just believed that you know, this was a spot for Seattle to kind of step up. And you look at this and you go, it was Pete Cowley. It was at home. It was in Seattle. They, they had some stuff. But the Seattle Seahawks are a flawed team. If you watch that game against Denver, and I watched it when I got off the plane, they moved the ball. I mean, the Broncos moved the ball all day, right? I mean, all day. Russell Wilson and the Broncos put up 433 yards of total offense, two fumbles on the one-yard line. This, this wouldn't have been close. So I don't know if Seattle was that good. But San Francisco, I know they have problems. Forget about the storm and the rain and all that. What we know about San Francisco is George Kittle is a massive blocking piece for a young quarterback. The young quarterback doesn't have the ability to throw downfield quite yet. Eli Mitchell is their starting running back. You can tell me all you want that somebody else is going to walk in there and be okay, Um, and I'm sure that Wilson will be. But right now, he's missing his starting running back. He really doesn't have a full game under his belt. It's a division game. At home, he's the man. He's got pressure. He's missing George Kittle. There's just a lot going bad here. And the 49ers, by the way, on the defensive side, Jason Verrett is out. Jimmy Ward is out. They lost Josh Norman. They lost Kawan Williams. They lost Tart. They're dealing with an entirely new secondary there. So I don't love that either. Then we go to some history. Pete Carroll, 8-2 and all-time against Kyle Shanahan, and he's won the last four. Does coaching matter in this league? Yeah, it certainly does. How about the 49ers? 6-15-1 against the spread as home favorites under Shanahan. They just don't cover the spread. Here's a game where, like you said, you want to put it in a survivor pool, Tim? You want to give me San Fran at home in a survivor pool? I'm not going to talk you out of it, but giving me 8.5, or I saw it, it's as high as 9.5 right now at BetMGM, Tim. 9.5 at BetMGM this afternoon. That is... The line's going up. People are all over the Niners. This might hit that magical double-digit mark, and I just think it might be too much here. What is the public betting? Public is all over San Fran, and the line is indicative of that, and the line is showing it. The public is all over San Francisco, and the line is is rising steadily. This You could have gotten this at 8 on Tuesday, and now, like I said, it's 9.5. It's nine and a half, and to bet um, 
the Niners, you got to lay 115 at nine and a half. I think this gets to a 10. The public is driving this up. The Sharps are driving this up, if you want to say that. All the money, everybody's going in on San Francisco. And I'm sitting here alone going, ah, Seattle scares me, guys. Seattle scares me. Can we bet the money line with Geno Smith, Tom? I wouldn't on the road. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know you're always looking for a money line. This isn't it. Not on the road. <laughs> and look, it could happen. But I'd much rather have those those eight and a half, nine and a half, or ten points in my pocket and not have to worry about it. I think Seattle plays close games. I think they're going to play close games all year. It's just kind of how their team is designed. I think they're going to play close game, be okay. And and San Francisco, look, again, I, I always think about it. If you put Kyle Shannon in a room and you said, without George Kittle, without Eli Mitchell, within a completely revamped secondary, with Trey Lance making his first real start with pressure on him at home against a division rival, are you okay getting out of here with a, a touchdown win? You know, he's going to go, oh, yeah, of course. I think that Shanahan gets a little conservative if he does have a, a lead. So I don't I don't know. I don't want it. I don't want to go money line here and get greedy. I'll just take the points. Cincinnati coming off the, the loss to Pittsburgh last week, travels to Dallas. They'll take on the Cowboys. Both teams, as I said, zero wins. Tom Burrow, four picks last week. Dak Prescott out. The Bengals, a seven-point road favorite. In Big D. Here's the other team that's right up there with the most money. I'm seeing 90-plus percent of the bets, 90-plus percent of the money all on Cincinnati. You could have got a seven line out there on Tuesday. It is sitting here now at nine, and it's going up. Uh, this might. This is another one. By, by kickoff, people losing in the, in the first early window – and you're going, ah, oh, who are you going to take, Cincinnati or Dallas? Well, Dallas got a backup quarterback, and they're going to jump all over Cincinnati. When I ask you this, Tim, is Dak Prescott worth 10 points or more, 12 points, than Cooper Rush? Remember, Dak Prescott went 134 yards and no touchdowns and an interception, right, over Cooper Rush. Is he worth 10 points, 12 points more? I'm not saying that talent-wise they're the same, but Cooper Rush, I saw him one time. He came back, won a game against Minnesota with 325 passing yards, two touchdowns, right? He peppered C.D. Lamb all day. I know this team is going to run the ball. I think that you look at Cincinnati and you go, Joe Burrow, you can say, ah, you know what? He missed some time. I can't. Maybe that was it. But Joe Burrow looked horrible last week. Four interceptions. He got sacked seven times with an offensive line we're all concerned about. He lost a fumble. The Cincinnati Bengals flat out looked bad last week. And now you have a defense that was all up in Tom Brady's face, right? Micah Parsons was, was all over him. And you look at this and you go, man, I get it. There's no way you could get me to bet Dallas. None. Not with Cooper Rush. Not with the state of the Dallas Cowboys. You can't get me to bet him. But guys, pull off a Cincy before we really are convinced who Cincinnati is. Another big line here in this one. We'll go to Denver, Tom. The Broncos, a 10-point favorite over the Texans. Texans battled for that tie last week. Davis Mills, pretty good game. Home opener for Denver. Russell was able to put up 340 last week in that Monday nighter. Tommy uh, struggled running the ball, though. Denver did. What say you? 10, 45 the total. I, I don't like that the line is this big. Houston's a team I was on last week. Houston's a team I told you I would even money line last week. I got laughed out of the room with all the guys there last week. And I told you I liked them. 
Um, it went down from eight and a half to seven. I said, I still like them. I don't care. But that was more of a play for a division game, a division game at home, and a division game where I didn't believe in the Colts more than anything. This smells like a bounce back play for me for Denver. I don't like laying the 10, but Houston still has bad linebacking. They don't have good upfront middle of the line. Houston averaged less than three yards a carry. They can't run the ball. So this is going to be Davis Mills against what I think is a very, very impressive secondary with one of the best corners in the league and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge. Sometimes the results are not exactly the indicative of, of what the game is played. And I alluded to this earlier with the Broncos. The Broncos were 0 for 4 in the red zone, fumbled the ball twice on the one-yard line. That is not going to happen against Houston, okay? That is just things that are just not going to happen. And you said running the ball. Javante Williams had 12 targets last week. 12 targets. Do you know what his prop play over-under here, Tim, is for tomorrow? Three receptions. I love That is my number one prop play for tomorrow. I already dropped quite a few bucks on that. Over three receptions. Now, I know some places it's three and a half, but at three and a half, you're getting plus like 115, plus 120 back. So I'm, I I found the one side I'm going with over three receptions for Javante Williams. I think he could triple that. And I think it's a, a perfect example of overreaction in a game that really a lot of people aren't paying attention to it, so to speak, with all the other great one o'clock games because, you know, you people chasing money. Or, or whatever the case may be, right, Tom? You have the, the champs playing at 1 o'clock. You have the, the Bengals and the Cowboys. Even without Dak, it's still a, a, a public-watched game there. It just This game, you know, the Raiders, obviously, are getting that game next, but that, that that's going on at the same time. So this game just sits there. And in my mind, I'm like, look, Denver, Denver got tripped up on the road Monday night. Texans, very, very spirited effort against Indianapolis. Should have won that game, actually for a team that's everybody looked at as being so bad. Everything in my mind, I don't even doubt the line. Denver should win this game something like uh, 31-14, Tom. I mean, that's how I look at it. Tim, the, the one question is, let me ask you about Nate Hackett. I, I've called him a clown here on the air. Yeah. I think that he's a terrible coach. I thought he was a terrible hire. Does that bleed into your thinking at all? In close games, it does. We saw it happen, right? Monday night, we saw it happen. But – you said it. If they were in the red zone four times, got nothing. They score on twice, just two of those, right? They score on one of those, they win the game. It doesn't matter at that point, Tom. So if it's close, it worries me. In this one, I think the talent prevails. I think Russ has a good game, and I think your guy Williams and Gordon both have solid games running the ball. The Texans are just they're, they're uh, outclassed in this, this at this point, I would say. In this game, they're outclassed on the road. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, I I don't love laying the 10, but if there's a team that I would lay the 10 with, it, it would be this one this week. In this spot. Yes, in this spot. How about the home opener for the Las Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium? 125 scheduled kickoff. Raiders come up. Tommy, they come up lame last week in the loss, even though the, the guy that's going to change – the whole thing. Put him in the Super Bowl, Devontae Adams, 10 for 141 as they welcome in the Cardinals, who also came up lame in week one. So both teams with a loss. Vegas, five and a half home. I'm trying not to react on what I saw with the Cardinals, which was Patrick Mahomes just being Patrick Mahomes and going crazy on them. They ranked dead last in uh, EPA, where, where, you know, average yards per play. 
last week. I mean, they just got trounced defensively. They were missing Chandler Jones. They got a lot of defensive problems. At cornerback, uh, Hamilton is out. Trayvon Mullen missed last week. Uh, you, Byron Murphy, they took, they made him a slot player and they put him on a perimeter. Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker, was playing the slot. Guys, all of that is just weird stuff, right? I, I, by the way, if they do that again, which I think they would learn their lesson, but then again, it's Cliff Kingsbury. Expect Hunter Renfro to have a massive week if they do that. But on the other side, look, the Raiders couldn't stop anybody either. Let's not let's not breeze over the fact just because Devontae Adams had a good game. This defense was terrible. And I said it all the time. If they don't get home, meaning if they don't get to the quarterback, Jones and Crosby, this defense can be picked apart all day long. Now, the good news there is that Murray doesn't have the weapons to pick him apart deep. Hopkins is suspended. Hollywood Brown's still kind of working his way back into this thing. Ertz is still limping around out there. Uh, but it's still, look, it's still the Raiders defense that you could pick holes in. What I worry about here, if I'm the Raiders, is if you don't get home and you flush Murray out, he can destroy you on his legs. He can be a guy that, like, put up a Mariota type of 75 yards rushing and a touchdown or two. He's that guy, th- th- this game, that everybody seems to be on the Raiders. I'm looking at numbers here, Tim. This line opened up at three and a half. It's up to six in spots, Tim. And you're looking at this Raiders team where they're getting 80-some-odd percent of the bets. Everyone's on the Raiders. Cardinals are still a dangerous team, even though Kingsbury's a terrible coach. I think that this is a rough spot for the Raiders to be laying this kind of money. And Tom, the line, the total line, 51 and a half, tells you that they expect points to be scored here. I do, too. I mean, I, I absolutely do. I think that Murray is going to be the difference maker. He's going to extend plays, and he's going to get guys out in space. And that that is the undoing of the Raiders, uh, letting guys kind of run around, flick it around, and then just beat them deep. That is the undoing of the Raiders. Two-parter here for you. Make me a case to bet the Cardinals, and obviously you'd feel comfortable – if you were getting at least a touchdown and a, and a hook here. So the five and a half is an ugly number to bet if you like the Cardinals. But can make me a case. Other than you, you said it, that he could pick that defense apart. Do you, do you expect maybe to go more so, let, let Connor beat up that line a little bit? Or is it just an all-out assault through the air? Yeah, I, I think that that's what you want to do. I think, you, I think you're going to see a lot of screen plays. I think you're going to see a little bit of Eno Benjamin, who's the pass catching back there. I think you're going to watch a lot of uh, – you know, flip outs, a lot of, uh, you, you know, short slanting plays. Zach Ertz could be a big part of this thing. It, it's let their aggressiveness of Crosby and Jones beat themselves. And you get into that second level of the Raiders and their linebacking play is not inducive to being able to get picked apart like that and to be peppered with with, with balls. They are not that kind of unit. And I think you could take advantage of that. The good thing is, is that you could step a safety inside the box and you could sneak him in a little bit because they're not going to be able to go deep. They just don't have the weapons to go deep. Sunday night football. Tom, your Bears undefeated win over San Francisco. The Packers looked horrible in week one loss against Minnesota. They're at Lambeau tomorrow night. And another big number here. The Packers, a 10-point favorite. The line, 41. Yeah, look, I, I mean – you want to go over the numbers here, Tim? Do you, do, you, do, you, do we have to go over the, the storied history here? Green Bay's getting 87% of the action, oh, by the way. And the Packers, so I'll give you the Bears' hopes here. The Packers 
David Bakhtiari missed time in practice this week. Elgin Jenkins, right tackle, missed time in practice this week. Alan Lazard missed tackle this week. John Runyon missed time this week in practice. Um, you know, this is all reality that they missed tackle this week, uh, time this week up front. Matt LaFleur, 6-0 against the Chicago Bears. Average margin of victory, 13 points per game. Aaron Rodgers is 20-7 and seven against the spread against the Bears. Six straight wins, six straight covers. Aaron Rodgers is 18-5 against the spread off of a loss. The Packers have won 11 straight games after a loss, and they are a perfect 11-0 against the spread. 26 touchdowns to one interception after they lose a game. The Bears versus Aaron Rodgers, well, Aaron Rodgers, 23 touchdowns, zero interceptions the last six games on Sunday night football. Bears defense, they give up 176 yards rushing in week one. This spells doom for the Bears all over the place. But, as the great Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend, because you're laying a lot of points. This is a different Packers team. This is a completely different Packers team. Forget about the Devontae Adams thing, which is a big loss, obviously. But they are missing defensive players. They are missing three offensive linemen potentially tomorrow. They are missing the number one receiver who isn't even a number one receiver in this league potentially tomorrow. This is everything is different here. And in Chicago, different head coach, different assistants, different starting quarterback. They are doing things differently in Chicago. I had an argument on Twitter today with, with just somebody made a ridiculous comment about the Bears' talent level. Robert Quinn made the uh, second team all-pro team last year. Roquan Smith may be the best middle linebacker in the game. Jalen Johnson is a top 10 corner. This kid Brisker looks like a starting safety in the league, had a big turnover already. You look at the Bears' defense, they're not nearly as bad as you think they are, and they're led by a defensive coach. Offensively, Mooney's got talent. Komet's got talent. Herbert's got talent. Montgomery's got talent. And Justin Fields has the talent to do some, some interesting things. I am not telling you that the Bears are going to go against all this history and win this game. But I am telling you that if the Packers are missing three offensive linemen, and if the Packers are missing the star wide receiver, that this game can certainly get ugly. The Bears are thinking that they can make every game ugly and win ugly games. The Packers do not want an ugly, tight, ridiculous game on Sunday night football. 87% of the money's coming in on Green Bay, guys. Everybody knows Aaron Rodgers beats the uh, Chicago Bears. Tomorrow night is a bailout game for people. Even more money is going to come in on Green Bay. I am very worried if I'm taking Green Bay minus 10 tomorrow night. Rodgers, no touchdown passes last week. Jones, 49 yards on the on the, the ground. And you said it. This is not the same offensive weapons for Aaron Rodgers, but it's the same Aaron Rodgers, Tom. Drop passes, and he's blaming other people for his mistakes. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking at this, and I'm just I'm stunned that Rodgers was so bad. But I think we all look at this and go, well, of course. Of course he was going to blame other people, right? And he came to the podium and he said, well, they missed blocking and he dropped the ball. And he was right, but you just don't say that. I, th- again, this is a different team. It wouldn't surprise me if they went really, really run heavy, go completely run the ball, get out of here. It's got a total, Tim, of 40. Get out of here with a low-scoring game. You give me – I don't care who it is. I don't care what the team's name is. You're giving me 10 points with a total of 40. You almost have to take a shot at that. I love what you said, a bailout game, or even better, right, Tom? Say they say the, the public has a great day. They're like, well, let's just pile it on with the Packers. It's going to be one of those games that it's, you know, 
it's going to keep going up, Tim. It's going to just keep going up more and more and more as the day goes on. It's going to be one of those games that you, 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 you're you going to keep checking out. You're going to go, uh, it's it's nine. It's nine and a half. It's ten. Across ten to a ten and a half. And I, I think we're going to get over ten uh, easily. I think if you wanted to bet Chicago, you wait until right before kickoff, and you might get a ten and a half or eleven. Tom, I forgot to ask you, what is the – Amount of money coming in on the Raiders tomorrow. Percentage. On the Raiders, let me go check that out. Um, home off a loss, according to my number, eighty-two percent. It's about right. Home off a loss, I get. Yeah, that's why the line moved. And I'll tell you what, if Tim, it probably if you would have asked me this on Thursday, it, or even Friday morning, it probably was into the ninety percent. But now. There's more Arizona money coming in because the line rose from three and a half. It touched six and a half for a little while there, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it came back down. So there was late Arizona money coming in to kind of push the line back to a a nice number. Uh, I mean, this open, you could have gotten this to three and a half on Monday. And, of course, we will break down the two Monday nighters tomorrow night on the show. These games actually will be going that we – both be being be played at the same time, just an hour difference between those games. We'll break that down for you tomorrow night, Tom, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, the free pick portion. Tommy, we both won last week. I have a nice little juicy Timmy teaser sitting here, but of course I defer to the pro here. Tom, give everybody a winner for tomorrow. Well, I'm giving you a prop play. I gave you a straight play last week. Nice, easy winner, underdog. I'm giving you the best prop play on the board, Javante Williams over three receptions. Now, I know that is uh, you could go out there and you can get three and a half. I'm looking right now. Three and a half at BetMGM, you can get plus 125. You get plus 120 in other spots. I don't care. I give me the three, but you can find it. You're laying 110. I give me the three. I'll take three and a half. Tim, I would take five and a half. I think you get six, seven, maybe eight or nine receptions. This one is the easiest prop board on the board for me. And it's not even close. So I know we love to give games, Tim, but I want to switch it up. Like I said, the market is going where people love prop plays. Javante Williams over. And if you guys really – look, that's my official play. If you want to go over the 22 and a half yards, oh, I have no problem with that either. What did he have Monday night? Receptions? 12 receptions, Tim. 12, 12 yeah. Tom's free play for the week of prop. We'll go Javante Williams over three, three and a half in receptions. And what is that money? What's the line on it? It's minus 110 at three, plus okay. 125 at three and a half if you want. Even better then, right? Bet them both, Tom. Bet them both. Yeah. I, I'll take the three. I'm one of those guys. I'm like, look, I'm not getting greedy. Give me the three. Yeah. I, I think he goes way over it, but give me the three. All right, Tom. You ready? Timmy Teaser. 1-0 last week. We went with the AFC North, Timmy Teaser, Pittsburgh, plus the 14, Baltimore, uh, minus a half, basically. So for tomorrow, we're going to do the afternoon games. Tom, we're going to go with the double-digit teaser. Give me the Rams, minus the field goal over Atlanta. Give me the Broncos, minus the field goal over the Texans. That'll get you to the window to cash another ticket. Thoughts? I like it, Tim. I like it a lot. I I I actually thought you were going to throw in a third one in a 10 game and throw the bills in on Monday night, but you'll, you'll take that money and then we'll talk about Monday night tomorrow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, look, something you always talk about, the better team should win. 
and all we need is a field goal in each way and both are at home i like i like all the way it sets up for us so i i like it and i don't think you can need the points just like you didn't need the points last week Tom, until tomorrow, tell everybody about Tom Barton Sports and, of course, Wagering Week, which I'm going to be listening to here in a few hours. Yeah, guys, go check out Wagering Week and Sports Garden Network production. Also, want to bet uh, weekend edition tomorrow morning, 11 to 1 East Coast time, out by you guys. Make sure you listen in sportsgarden.com. Believe in betting as well, where I just keep giving out free plays. I just keep giving out winners week in and week out. I, I am on some ridiculous roll. Come and check out TomBartonSports.com if you want to be part of that ridiculous role. You want to make money, it's TomBartonSports.com. Go check me out on YouTube. I just put out a week one overreaction YouTube video. It's Tom Barton Sports over there as well. All right, Tom, get a nap in. We got a busy, busy day for tomorrow. I cannot wait. I'm pumped up. Week two here already. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. For Mateo, always doing a great job there back in the studio. I'm Tim Unglesby. Have a great sports Sunday. We will talk to you tomorrow night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. It's Heat Wave Sports.